0: We are in the midst of kind of a mega-series, I guess you could describe it as. We're calling The Way. It's about the living our lives in the way of Jesus, and so it's a series of series. We just wrapped up last week a four-week series on prayer. Jesus was um, a man of prayer. He taught his disciples about pray. he t- uh, about prayer. He taught them to pray and uh, so we looked at prayer and now we're starting a three week series as part of the way uh, on the Bible, the Word of God. And so we're going to be looking at the Bible and uh, we'll be looking at um, what the Bible is and um, how to become yourself, how to become more engaged uh, in the Bible and, and how to interpret the Bible And uh, so this morning, I just want to talk about why I love the Bible. I want to share with you why I love the Bible. Now, Jesus was um, a very devout follower of God who loved the Bible. Jesus loved the Bible. In fact, in the Gospels, we don't have any real information about Jesus after his birth and before his public ministry. So that gap of about 30 years, we don't have much information in the Gospels, but there is this one story of Jesus as a 12-year-old. His parents had gone to Jerusalem uh, for one of the Jewish uh, festivals to celebrate, and at the end of the festival, they were heading back uh, home and were um, into their journey home when they realize that Jesus wasn't with them. So they turn around, they go back to Jerusalem, they're looking all over the city to find him, and they finally find him in the temple. And Jesus is there as a 12-year-old, and it says in the gospel that Jesus is sharing insights and asking questions that amazes the people, the men who were there. The men who were there, the, the priests and the rabbis and the teachers of the law listening to this 12 year old expound on the word of God and they're amazed by his insight. Rumor has it that he had some inside information but that's what Jesus was doing as a 12 year old. Then when Jesus began his public ministry He was, again, in a synagogue. He was handed one of the scrolls from the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the captive, and so on, uh, in describing... Uh, In reading these words, Jesus then rolls up the scroll and says, these words are now fulfilled in your presence, meaning that he is that promised one. Throughout his ministry and time in teaching, Jesus often referred to the scriptures. He would refer to the scriptures, he would interpret them, but what was so interesting to people at that time was how Different Jesus interpreted the scriptures than what they had heard before. And it fascinated people. It it ignited new faith in people. Some people were really ticked off by it and annoyed by it and thought he was getting it wrong because he was changing stuff. But it just was so new and fresh and real. So Jesus was a man of the Bible. Now, you understand that it wasn't the Bible that we have. It was the Hebrew Bible, what we would call the Old Testament. So the Bible that Jesus knew, the Bible that Jesus read, the Bible that Jesus taught was the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible um, is... Divided into sections Or it can be divided into sections It's not physically In your Bibles But um, Jewish scholars Divide the Hebrew Bible into, into three categories If you will And they have an acronym for it Tanakh Tanakh. T-N-A-K T-N-A-K Which stands for these different aspects Of the scripture So the T is for Torah Which Literally means the law. The NA together, NA, is the word nevim. And that word is about the prophets and the history. So NA is prophets and history. And then the K, which is keteuvim, is, it literally means writings. So anything that wasn't The law, or prophets and history, is the writing. So uh, books of the Bible like the Psalms or Proverbs would fall in that category. And then in our Bible, we have this New Testament, the New Covenant... And that's divided into three categories as well. We have the first four books of the, of the New Testament are the Gospels, which literally means good news. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four of Jesus' followers who recorded the things that Jesus said, the things that he did, the things that he taught. They record for us his trial, his death, and his resurrection, the Gospels, the good news. And then the next is the Book of Acts. This is the story of after Jesus' ascension into heaven, how this group of people, his followers, who up until his resurrection had been overwhelmed by his death, they were concerned about their own safety and well being because they saw what happened to Jesus and they were just concerned and worried that the Uh, leaders of the Jewish temple and the um, Romans were going to come after them, and they would meet a similar fate that Jesus met. So they're huddled up, they're frightened, they're scared. Something happened that changed everything, and that something was the resurrection of Jesus. So having been confronted by the resurrected Jesus, all of that fear, all of that worry, all of that anxiety left them and they became a powerful force for change. Literally this little band of people became a worldwide movement that changed everything. It changed history as they went out and shared the teaching of the resurrected Jesus. And so the book of Acts is all about this little gathering of people that became a worldwide movement. They became the church, and before they were called the church, they were called the way. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the way. People who are walking in the way of Jesus, not getting in his way, walking in his way. We're walking in the way of Jesus and so that was the book of Acts. So it's the gospels, Acts and then the epistles which literally that word epistle means letter. So it was letters sent out to these gatherings of Christ followers who were now trying to figure out what does it look like in my life to trust Jesus. What am I supposed to be doing? What am I not supposed to be doing for myself personally and for us collectively as a community of faith? Together, these covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant comprise our Bible. All of that is still not what I love about the Bible. The Bible is a book that was written by over 40 different authors written in different languages, written over the course of thousands of years, written in different countries and in different cultures. And what's fascinating to scholars who study this deeply is given all of that, unlike any other book in human history, and like, unlike any other book that exists today, this collection of books written over this expanse of time have this singular story, they have this unique about them and they tell this unified, consistent, complex story that goes all the way through. It's an amazing thing. It's what makes it different than any, it's one of the things that makes it different than any other book ever written. And that's still not what I love most about the Bible. So this epic tale that it's telling, this epic story, the story told over thousands of years, starts at the very beginning. You know, we live in a time where science um, has accelerated our understanding of things these brilliant minds that have begun to understand how things work together. And I don't, I don't know why people think that there is um, hostility between science and faith. I don't feel any hostility. I don't think they're doing any disservice at all by helping us to understand how God put things together. I think that's wonderful that they're doing that. That's a blessing. So these brilliant minds of astronomers and physicists and so forth have been able to um, look out into the stars and understood things like the speed that light travels. And as they've understood that, they've been able to look deep into the universe beyond this galaxy into other galaxies of which there are hundreds of millions of these other galaxies. And because of their understanding of distance, because of the speed of light, they can look back not just over distance but over time and say if we're able to see this light right now, from a star that is billions and hundreds of billions and beyond billions of miles away they can deduce time frames i don't get it all which is why i'm explaining it really badly right now those of you who are astronomers you know are going this is weak it's the best i can do but they can go all the way back all the way back to this Moment where there was this explosion, this astronomical explosion, this big bang, where matter was flung out over space. Things that we call stars and planets and galaxies flung out over space. And they can get back through the following of light to this point in time where that explosion took place. But the question remains, what was going on one second before that explosion? What existed then? What's behind that black curtain, if you will, before all of that happened? And that's where the story of the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was what's behind that curtain. This life force, this creating being that we call God is on the other side of all of that and it says that God spoke the word. You wanna know how powerful God's word is? God speaks the word and bam, right? This created order takes place, this universe takes place, these galaxies, stars and so forth that are mind-boggling in their size and in the distances. And God simply spoke it into being. He created from nothing all that is. And then He created this little blue planet, Earth, and created everything on this planet to sustain life so that there was just enough light and darkness. There was air to breathe, there was water to sustain. There's an ecosystem that keeps those things going on. And into this perfectly ordered planet, God then created human beings. Male and female, he created them in his own image. And so then as the story continues on at It's a story of how God and human beings related to each other and and how human beings were to relate to each other and how human beings were going to relate to this planet that God had created. And there was this beautiful order and these relationships but then something happened. Temptation came in, this darkness came in, this temptation. And the temptation was in essence, rather than trust God, wouldn't you rather be God? And that same temptation that was presented to them all of those millennia ago, it's the same temptation that we live into every day. Rather than listen to God, rather than obey God, wouldn't you rather be God? Call your own shots, live your own life, do it your own way. And at that moment as they made that decision to be God rather than to trust God, everything broke. The relationship between human beings and God broke. The way human beings were designed to relate to each other broke the way that we were supposed to relate to this planet broke. And really from the third chapter of Genesis all the way through to the end is the story of God's rescue mission. Of God trying to win back this brokenness. This brokenness. And it is a powerful story of a God who created this place, who loved it so much, and sought to repair that which was broken. And the way that God chose to do it, here's the thing about the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible always works with and through human beings. God never, for whatever reason, God never chooses to operate completely on his own. God always works through human beings. And so to begin this rescue mission, this redemptive story, God chooses a family, Abraham and Sarah, and he says to this couple that your family is going to create the legacy, is going to create the people that I'm going to use to point people back to me. You are to be a light to the nations, pointing them to me. And the story begins. And there is this consistency to this story that goes all the way through. And throughout this story that we have in the Old Testament books, There is this underlying thread, this underlying theme, that there is one coming who is going to make everything right, a Messiah who is going to restore our relationship with each other, who's going to take on the brokenness upon himself, who's going to pay the debt through his own death and who's gonna become The bridge over the divide of sin and death between us and God. It's an amazing story. It's a consistent story that takes place over thousands of years, like I said. And as awesome as that is, as amazing as that is, that's not what I love about the Bible. Here's what I love about the Bible. It's described in in, um, the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in the third chapter, the end of that chapter, the last two verses, 16 and 17, Paul wrote these words. All scripture is God-breathed. I want to stop there for a second. All scripture is God-breathed that word god breathe is inspire that word inspire means to breathe into all scripture has been breathed into by god these aren't just words on a page these aren't just the thoughts of some human beings that were trying to you know write an epic story these are the very words of God. Now, again, because God is who God is and God works the way God works, God didn't just send a book down. He didn't create a book and send it down. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is this interplay between the Spirit of God and human beings who were inspired, breathed into these words. And again, you know, there's, there's this kind of sense by some I hear about the Bible that, you know, it's just a bunch of old guys who are, you know, nothing better to do, so they're writing stuff down. You know, it's, it's no different than a book like the Iliad or the Odyssey, but that's not true. There are others who say, well, you know, it, this was written thousands of years ago and it had to be rewritten and rewritten and rewritten because, you know, the the uh, old scrolls and so, so forth would start to disintegrate. And so with each new writing, you know, people would add and subtract and multiply and make stuff up and so forth. But if you really look at how the Bible was recorded and the care that was taken to get every word exactly right from, each new writing down through history, you realize that people understood all the way back to antiquity just how sacred and special this book was. They did not treat it as if it didn't matter. They understood it to be the word of God. So these words that were written down are inspired By the Spirit of God. And then it says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a purpose for this word of God. It's not just so we have knowledge. It's not just so we have information. There's history in the Bible, but it's not a history book. There's poetry in the Bible, but it's not a poetry book. There's theology in the Bible, but it's not a book of theology. It's a book about how we are to live. I often tell folks that from my experience, the Bible, um, there's three aspects to the Bible, right? It's a window, the Bible's like a window that gives us a view into the kingdom of God. When God, you know, when things are working right, when things are working the way God is wanting them to work, we get a glimpse of that through the Bible. It's a window. It's also a mirror, it gives us a reflection of who we are as individuals, of who we are as a people, as who we are as a nation. It serves as a mirror so that we can see ourselves reflected back. And it's a road map. Gives us some direction on how to live a life that honors God, that enhances our relationships with each other, and is a blessing to us. People have asked me over the years what I love about being a pastor. Not a lot of people ask me that frankly, but some of you have asked. And since you've asked, th- there's so much I I love about what I get to do, but the thing that I love the most about this job is being in small group Bible study with people. And the reason I love that so much is because I have a front row seat on how the Word of God changes somebody's life. And I have literally watched it scores, if not hundreds of times in people's lives, how the Word of God has changed their lives. I remember about 15 years ago, meeting with a, with a small group. We were meeting in the, the room over here on the side. It used to be called the fishbowl. Um, we now call it the hub because it's a cooler room now than it used to be. Um, and so we were in a Bible study. We'd meet every week. And uh, I don't remember what we were studying, but I remember this guy who was in, this, in, the, in that group at that time saying, you know, I just feel this kind of conviction. Uh, me and my neighbor have been at odds with each other for years uh, we don't talk to each other and we kind of scowl at each other. And, you know, he shared a little bit about what had happened uh, between the two of them. And he said, You know, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to go and make amends and make this right. And we're like, Well, that, that's cool, you know, cheering him on. And uh, so he came back to Bible study the next week. And uh, we said, So, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. How'd it go? He said, It was great. He said, you know, I I worked up the courage and I went to his house and knocked on his door and I just expressed, you know, how sorry I was for the part that I had played and what had gone wrong in our relationship and I hoped he'd forgive me and uh, that I'd love to uh, start over again in our friendship. And we're like, that's awesome. What did he say? And he said, well, he didn't accept it. (laughs) Like, what? Yeah, no, he didn't want anything to do with me. Oh, man. He said, no, it's fine. He said, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I did what I was supposed to do, and now it's off me. And so when I saw him every day, you know, I just happened to see him every day last week. Hey, how you doing? It's great. Another guy in a. this was just a few years ago in one of the, in one of the studies. And again, I don't remember what we were studying because the word is like that. It's this, it's this powerful thing, it's God breathed. And so whatever it was we were reading, this guy said, you know, I used to think and I used to say that I'm a very generous person. And he said, you know, I, I realize I'm not generous at all. In fact, I'm really selfish. It's all about my ego. And I watched his life begin to change. Not because somebody was wagging their finger at him or telling him how he ought to live, but as he was engaged with the word of God that he just felt this conviction. And I watched this guy become one of the most generous people I've ever known. And I'm not just talking about finances, although that was a part of it for him, but how he used his time, how he used his abilities how he set his priorities, transformed, it changed. That's what I love about being in ministry and that's what I love about the Bible. It is the breath of God, it has the inspiration of God. And so when we come to it with open minds and open hearts and open souls to what it has to say to us, and we just spend some time with it, it's transformational. One last thing. The book of Hebrews chapter four verses 12 and 13 says this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give, to whom we must give account. And the thing about that is that the Bible is living and active. It's not a dead ancient transcript of some ancient people who had no clue about 21st century living they didn't have any clue but the spirit of God did and the things that were true of the human heart and the human condition that were true thousands of years ago continue to be true today we just have different technology This living, active word changes us. One last story, and then I'll close out. You guys know, if you've been around for a while, you know that um, we would take teams to Cuba. Uh, We took four different teams uh, over the years. I hope we can get back there one day. Um, And it was an amazing experience. But I remember vividly, one of the things that happened in the first year, we were in this little compound of this of this little church, and uh, I was talking to a pastor there. He was about my age, and um, I and we were with an interpreter because uh, he didn't speak English. I didn't speak Spanish, and um, I said, you know, we grew up in the same time period. So, how is it that you? became a Christian much less a pastor because you may recall that when Fidel took over uh, Cuba became the dictator of that island that he banished Christianity and the uh, the island became officially atheist. So how in that culture do you become a Christian and a pastor? And so he began to tell me the story, he said, you know, I." I like to read, and uh, so I went into a bookstore one time and looking at uh, used books and came across this book called The Bible. And I thought, well, let me read that. And he said, I had no idea what was in it. I'd never seen one before. I didn't know how to read a Bible, so I just read it like a book. I started in Genesis and just started reading the story. And he said, the more I read, the more it captured me, the more it drew me in. I began to meet God there and the God who cared about me and the God who longed to be in relationship with me. And then as I got into the New Testament, the God who took on human flesh, who came for me, who died for me. And as he's telling the story, which is now decades old, he's weeping, remembering the story. And he gave his life to Christ. Not because somebody told him to, but because he was so moved by this God-breathed story. And ultimately, he became a pastor. And as he's telling me the story, standing next to him is his 28-year-old son, Ernesto, who is now also a pastor. God's word is living and active. It is the very breath of God. And so when we come to it with an open mind and an open heart, listening to those words and asking God, what does this mean and what does this mean to me? What does this say to me? It's transformational. That's what I love about the Bible. Let's stand together for closing prayer. So if you're here and you're part of a a Bible study and the Bible is a regular part of your your day, your week, um, keep on. You know, I'm 40 years in and I'm still finding new stuff all the time. I really am. But if it's not part of your deal, if you've never really opened up the Bible and you wonder if it has anything to say to you and where you'd even begin and so forth, I get it. You know, it can be a little intimidating. That's why I start... Groups. I, I do men just because I am one, <laughs> and I, I get guys a little bit more, I guess. Um, Bible study for guys that don't do Bible study, you know. So we just all started as, as beginners. Um, last time I announced one of these, I had a group of women coming up and saying, "All right, so what about us?" So I need to I, if I need to, somebody who's going to lead a Bible study for women that don't do Bible study. So if that's you talk to me, let me know. Um, I'd love to start one of those as well. Um, The cool thing about those groups is, and I'm preaching here, I'm supposed to be praying, but I'm preaching. Um, The cool thing about those groups, Bible studies for guys that don't do Bible studies, is when the light bulb goes off and we're reading something and they go, wow, I can't believe this is in the Bible. This is so relevant to where I am right now. How is something 3,000 years old still speaking to me today? God breathed. It's living and active. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who is the living word through whom everything that was made is made. Lord, I pray that you would continue to inspire us to speak to us, to bring your word to us, and that we would have open minds and hearts and souls to the things that you would have us to know, and that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Knowing, Lord, that as we do that, that you'll bless and keep us, you'll make your face to shine upon us, you'll be gracious to us today and forever. And all God's people agreed and said, have a great week.